It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. And just after 5 o'clock, it is time for Not My Beat. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. Today uh, is time to welcome back to the show our good friend Nikki Javalo, who I got to spend a little bit of time with out in Las Vegas. She worked furiously uh, from our table and seemingly everywhere else. Nikki, have you finally caught your breath after a whirlwind week out in Las Vegas? Um, yes, sort of, mostly. <laughs> That's I a think no. I still smell like c- cigarette and like cigar smoke from all the casinos, but you know. Yeah, it's. I, I do wonder, not like, obviously, we know a lot more now than we used to about smoking and, and the harms of nicotine and, and all of those things. But they had to at least know in 19, whatever it was that those carpets went in, that carpet was really going to absorb that. Like, it is nice <laughs> to see some of the newer casinos go for some hard flooring, whether it's wood or tile or, or marble or whatever it is. Like, it's really the carpets that, that just, you go, why did you guys have to do this, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. All right. So exactly. Nikki, Nikki's with us, of course, in the Washington Post, covering the commanders, covering the NFL. Uh, we might circle back to the Super Bowl if we have time at the end here. But I do want to get some early thoughts on the offensive side of things. You know, Cliff Kingsbury uh, comes in. People have mixed reviews on that. And it seems like that's kind of been everything here on the offensive side of it. Is, is there one higher in particular on the offensive side of the ball that you really like or one that you have a lot of questions about? Where are you so far on the staff that they've put together? Um, I think the one I have the, the most questions about and kind of baffled by, um, hold on, I'm about to tweet something out. They're just hi- they I'm hired gonna guess this, yeah. Floyd as their... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So here, um, well, I'll let you. T- I'll let you tweet, and I will tell the audience what you were about to tweet. Um, yeah. Other other folks uh, getting it, and we apologize that Nikki might not be first on this because she was on the phone with us. Uh, but the Commanders are hiring Cowboys assistant Sharif Floyd as their assistant defensive line coach. Um, he, of course, was a standout. I actually remember when he was drafted. God, now I feel terribly old. Uh, but I remember when he was drafted, he was big in the Cowboys mix back uh, when when I was covering them. Uh, but got, ultimately got drafted by the Vikings, had a pretty solid career, and is now working his way quickly up the ladder uh, in the coaching ranks, and he will reunite with Dan Quinn uh, here in D.C. So that is, that is the latest coaching staff hire. Nikki, have I stalled yep. long enough to give you time to tweet? Perfect. Well done. I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Back Um, to the offensive side. Yeah. So the one that really kind of baffled me was Bobby Johnson, who's the offensive line coach, was the offensive line coach for the Giants, who gave up a league-high 85 sacks. Um, And it's not necessarily the 85 sacks, because that's more – that can be O-line, but it's – you know, blame can be shared there, quarterback, O-line, others. Um, It's more that there didn't seem to be a clear record of growth among their young O-linemen. Um, so that hires just, I have questions about it. Um, but, you know, I'm obviously no O-line coaching expert, so I'm hoping, guessing, there was a compelling reason to want to him bring him in even after he was fired from the Giants. So we shall see. 
Yeah, and that's kind of where I am. I'm like, I don't know, maybe there's something there to like. I mean, there's obviously the tight ends coach they bring in has worked with Cliff before, but mm-hmm. is there any that you've been able to uncover or, or be told as you report on this, like kind of a common thread amongst these coaches that Cliff is bringing in on the offensive side of the ball? Um, I don't know that there's a clear thread. I mean, they want clearly like, I, I think the thing that I really appreciate after the last four years is just having a diverse group of opinion and folks that didn't just all come from a single staff the year prior. Um, you know, I really like bringing in Brian Johnson. His role is still TBD, but, you know, having a voice like him, somebody, another person who has, you know, has helped develop quarterbacks, I, I think can only be a good thing for this team. Um Defensively, I think there's more of a connection. I mean, Ken Horton Jr., a well-known name, obviously. He's won three titles as a player, another as a coach. Um, And um, who was the other assistant? Um, Uh, Pagano they brought in. Yeah, I mean, both were on Jack Del Rio's staff in in Oakland, which is kind of ironic. (laughs) Right. So um, here's another one for you. The commanders are... Um, retaining Bobby Ingram as their receivers coach. That to me is actually here first. <laughs> there we go. Nikki breaking news with us there live here on the air. Um, that one's actually pretty interesting to me because certainly Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin had disappointing seasons last year based off what we thought they could be. And we thought they could definitely easily both be thousand yard receivers. And frankly, in training camp, it looked like they were both going to hit that. Um, with with how Jahan was playing um, for all of the talk and and you and Sam had such a great piece on kind of what went wrong with EB and maybe in Mm -hmm. reporting in that piece does does Bobby Ingram's name come up like what what did you make of the job that he did last year and what have you heard about the job that he did yeah it sounded like he was well liked by players and like to be portrayed he had interest from others Um, so I, I think that's good that they kept him I think the other thing to consider with Tavita and Bobby is you know, they had more years left on their deal, obviously, since they came in last year. So that could have also been, you know, a motivating factor to keep them on staff, especially if they were, you know, well-liked and, and did well for their group. So, you know, that he had a tough task in, in sort of adapting to a new receiving core and a new system with the enemy and kind of helping to put all the pieces together. So, you know, I, I think, you know, having a little bit of continuity for some of these guys is actually good. So, yeah, no, yeah. I agree with that. I, I think the continuity is always like having some level of it to be a translator almost at times can be very good. I, w- I did want to ask you about Tavita before uh, the, the Ingram news just just well, it didn't mm-hmm. break. You broke it uh, there with us. Um, but you, I know, had some conversations with him and wrote about him in the preseason last year. But as the season went on, like, what did you hear about his, how he was adapting to the pro game, what he was bringing to the table, and and then yeah. ultimately why Cliff, by the way, a former quarterback himself, wants to keep him uh, in tow here? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think there are a lot of things to like about Tavita. I think one of the more intriguing ones is he's still somewhat unknown. I think he could be one of the assistants that's on the rise. Um, it's just not fully known yet because I, I don't think last year was a complete – you know, I don't think it could serve as a complete assessment for any of these guys. Some of them we knew more about going in, but for the new ones, it's not a fully complete assessment. But he does come from, you know, the, a West Coast system. He's played in it, obviously, at Stanford, coached it. 
I think the other thing you like is, you know, he, he called plays at Stanford. Um, he, he was also like a pseudo coach um, as a backup um, when uh, Andrew Luck took his job at Stanford. So he's more than capable of working with these guys. And it seemed like he had a really good rapport with Sam Howell and the others. So um, whether or not Sam Howell starts or not, he, he seems like a good one to, to keep on staff. Nikki Javala, Washington Post with us. Of course, read her work at WashingtonPost.com slash sports. People want to connect all kinds of dots when it comes to quarterback and, and every single one of these hires. They hired this guy because it means they want to take quarterback X or keep Sam or do this. Do yeah. you think that there is any connectivity to towards any of this, or is there just kind of a wide base being built in case they decide yeah. to go in any direction? And I guess the kind of the second part of that answer would be how much input do any of these guys have in the number two pick versus however else they could possibly fill out that quarter uh, quarterback position. Yeah, I don't think they they wanted Cliff Kingsbury solely to go get Caleb Williams. Um, I think that's a perk if he has a relationship with them and if the team feels like Caleb Williams is the guy and they're considering trading up to try to get him. Um, it helps if that's their motivation, but I don't think that was the reason. This is the guy that Dan Quinn said he had, you know, on his list of coordinators that he would want if he got another head coaching job again. Um, this was before Caleb Williams was Caleb Williams. So, um, yeah, I, I, and how much say, I mean, you know, I, I think there will be some collaboration, but ultimately the GM has the call. This is unlike the last four years where the head coach was the de facto GM and had final say over personnel. Now I think Dan Quinn will be involved, will have input, um, but the ultimate say will be Adam Peters and, you know, in part, you know, Josh Harris as owner. Um, but, you know, I, 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 assuming they run some semblance of a system that Cliff Kingsbury has run in the past, you know, short of that offshoot of the air raid, then you want guys who are, can fit that and kind of are, are capable to it, uh, of running that. Um, I, I think only so many coordinators in the league actually truly, truly, like, you know, build a team around players. They all say they do, you know, like we want to build around this guy. We want to tailor our system to our guys, but most of it, usually it's the opposite. You know, we want to find guys that fit our system, which I've never thought is the greatest strategy, but it's also difficult to do what like Baltimore did, you know? Um, so I, I think that will factor into it as well. And also his system is, you know, this is what Sam Howell ran at Carolina basically. So you could also argue that, you know, does that mean they're interested in Drake May? Um, right. But I, I think a lot of the talk of, you know, do these connections mean this at this point in the offseason are just kind of speculative more than anything. Um, ultimately, sure, those connections may lead there, but as of now, there's there's no direct correlation. Yeah, no, I, I that makes sense to me. It seems like the people who are doing that have – the cart and the horse in the wrong order, if you will, where it's like, yeah, that could be helpful, but it's not the reason that they're doing it. Um, last thing for Nikki Javala, who fresh off covering uh, mostly the 49ers last week uh, out in Las Vegas ahead of Super Bowl 58. I'm always curious, you know, you, you finally get to get out of the commander's bubble and you, you do like league level stuff with Maskey so well, unlike the, the corporate side of the league, if you will, or like the league office type of stuff, but to, to actually be around another football operation, 
for a week and get out of that commander's bubble. Is there anything you take out of the way that San Francisco does things that you found particularly interesting, or is it too hard to take anything when it's Super Bowl week and everything feels chaotic and different anyway? Yeah, I mean, this is a this was the fifth time I've done pool reporting, and I enjoy it for that reason. You just kind of get to see something different, and you're the only one that gets to watch practice all week. Um, you can't report on it or use it going forward, but nonetheless, it's pretty cool to be the only person to watch practice during Super Bowl week. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's always interesting to me to see you know how they run practices, how they structure them. There are so many similarities between all the teams in that regard. Um, but to see what certain teams focus on, the level of detail, how how much are players moving throughout the workout? Um, you know, is there a lot of wasted time? Um, and also seeing sort of the interactions of coaches and other personnel people that are over there. Um, I think that's where you really see some noticeable difference team to team. Um, and you, you saw it, you know, with Kyle's team. I'm not allowed to say like a lot of the details of what I saw. Um, I'll just say that Jawan Jennings play was not a surprise to me. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, the one thing that I think anybody sees when they watch a Kyle Shanahan practice is there's, there's never a wasted second. Guys are always moving. Um, they work on so many different things. Like, um, you know, in their last in that walkthrough, which is more of a jog through, it's like they're literally running through every play. Um, and it's, it's quite a bit. And it's, you know, guys are focused. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's different when you watch a team that has gotten to that level because Clearly what they're doing has worked and guys have bought in. So it's a different sort of focus and mindset when you watch them. When you're losing, it just takes a toll and everybody's frustrated and can't wait for it to end. So, um, but it is, it is an interesting experience. It is, is fun to kind of see how other teams do things. Yeah, definitely. It'd be fun to see what habits come. Obviously DQ was with Kyle, um, you know, Cliff has his way of doing things. Uh, you know, Joe Witt's been with Dan forever, so we'll see. Uh, and then again, we thought everything was going to be hunky-dory after seeing EB run a much tighter ship than it had been run the previous three years in training camp, and we see how that ended up. So, uh, yeah, know, there's a lot lot of factors that go into this thing, allegedly. Uh, Nikki Javala writing yeah. about it all, WashingtonPost.com slash sports. Nikki, thank you as always for your time. Good to see you uh, last week, and uh, it sounds like I might see you later this week uh, for some other press yeah. conference that may or may not happen that hasn't officially been announced as well. Yeah, no, I look forward to it. All right, thanks, thanks for having Nikki. me. Yep, you got it. See All ya. Right. That is Nikki Javala with us here on the Hoffman Show uh, later this week. Probably get a coordinator press conference. Kime was saying on his podcast he thinks it'll be Thursday. John would know better than me. It just would make sense that that thing is coming. Um, but we'll see if that that ultimately does happen uh, this week. All right, when we get back here on the Hoffman Show, let's react to some of what Nikki just said and get you caught up uh, again literally breaking news during that so we'll get you all caught up complete rundown of who's in and who's out in washington and what they have left to fill on the coaching staff and then at 5 30 uh logan and i talked about some big picture coaching staff stuff on take command we'll share that with you then